and welcome to Recovery Internet Radio, live and direct from Straight Stuff Studios. Actually, that's, that's I'm, I'm fibbing already. We're not live tonight. We are pre-recorded. So, uh, you know, you can skip the call-in number this week as uh, nobody will be here to answer the phone. So, thank you for joining us tonight. Um, I just want to, you know, give a, a quick shout out to a couple of our uh, a couple of our friends um, sponsors. I'm doing air quotes. You can't see it via radio, but uh, just some uh, friends of the show. I'd like to. Uh, we've got we've got some friends. Bob Harper, who's with uh, Double Take Band, they do a lot of cover cover music. Uh, you know, some good stuff. It's everybody tells me it's a it's a, a pretty fun party to go see them. But they've got a show coming up here. Ooh, in uh, in in just a a few short days, they'll be playing uh, at Keys Steak and Seafood Saturday, July thirteenth at eight thirty. So go check them out. Their website's DoubleTakeChicago.com. Um, some cool music. It, it starts playing Brick House. So if you have your speakers turned up real loud, it'll it'll be a surprise. There maybe maybe you'll forget. You'll just go check out the website. I'm brick. Uh, so go check them out. Um, I'd also like to say a quick word about uh, a really great mentoring program. It's a youth mentoring program called Sidekicks. Uh, you can check them out at sidekicksmentoring.org. It is, uh, like I said, a youth mentoring program, no cost, uh, volunteer program designed to offer structure and support for maintaining a healthy, uh, sober lifestyle for, for teens. And, uh, you know, we're not your big brothers, big sisters. But, uh, you know, we're, it, it's the same idea, but maybe a little bit more, a little bit more specialized. We're actually going to be in, uh, we'll be, we'll be doing a little, little advertising and, uh, candy distribution in the Fiesta Day Parade coming up here in just a few weeks. That's in McHenry, Illinois, Sunday, July 21st. Uh, I believe the parade starts at 11, so. But we cannot throw the candy. Oh, we, yeah, that's just distribution, not... Yes, exactly. Yeah, no, no... And the candy, but we cannot throw the candy. You know, not to get off topic, but, you know, they have T-shirt cannons. How can they have T-shirt cannons and we can't throw Tootsie Rolls? What does that make any sense at all? Not to me. Not to no. me. So if you're if you're gonna come out come out and see us at the parade, uh, we'll be giving away some goodies and we'll hand them gently to the you know no no throng. To the participants. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And so that's all I got. Uh, okay. You know I don't think I believe I've uh, introduced our host, Mr. Rick Atwater. Everybody <laughs> keeps this boat afloat. Keeps this boat afloat. Yes, sir. Yes, we do. So welcome to Recovery Internet Radio and our show, Straight Stuff on Addictions. Tonight our tag is Nurse Jack Loses It All. <laughs> not, uh, not, not Nurse Jackie. No, be clear here. I want to make that clear. Very clear. And if anybody knows if there's a theme song to the Nurse Jackie show, go to our website and let us know about it. Because I, I can't. Is there? Is there a theme song? I can't find it. Uh, sure. Whatever the music no starts up. Okay. That All website right, so is recoveryinternetradio.com. Um, every Sunday night at 8, and we're glad that you can join us tonight. Thanks to Chris, who's, who does our engineering. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so you can reach us. You can tweet us at Rick Atwater. Um, you can contact us via our website, recoveryinternetradio.com, and that is... recoveryinternetradio.com. Dot com and our Facebook at Recovery Internet Radio. I mean, we try to keep it simple. Yeah, yeah. keep it the same. Yeah. And uh, Recovery Internet Radio, you can listen to us uh, live at, on Recovery Internet Radio, or the the most current show live, <laughs> or you can also hear us 
um, all the archive shows are there as well. Yeah, I think uh, most of our most of our fans. Can I call them fans? Do we have fans? Uh, I call them listeners. Listeners. We'll call them fans. Either or. I think some of our listeners might be fans. Audience members. Okay. Either. either. A lot of you know. For those of you listening, if you hear the show uh, on a weekly basis. And you already know this, but if you're new, then uh, yeah, check out the check out recoveryinternetradio.com, and uh, you can also uh, download us as a podcast. So it just automatically will fly magically into your iDevice every week, and you can hear our newest episode. So that's always nice too. All right, great. So you can get to us a lot of ways. So let's uh, let's get us let's get us started. And uh, Jack R. Jack, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's, uh, it's a um, and we know you're from out of state. Yes, sir. From a state that shall remain nameless at this time. <laughs> uh, but it's a good state. It is. It's a big one. It's a big one. <laughs> one of the bigger. One of the bigger states. One of the bigger ones. Okay. <laughs> yes, I love Vermont. Anyway. So um, my 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 first, you know, I mean, my first question to you is kind of like I want I want to set the stage a little bit. So we talked about you know some of the things I wanted to ask, and and you know I, I know by the title of the show, you know people will, will figure out you're a nurse, right? So, uh, you know, um, but I think it's you know, and we're we're here talking about chemical dependency, about addiction, and uh, so I think a lot of times people. Uh, make the assumption that you know professionals have everything all put together and don't have any problems and you know whatnot. So we're kind of here to talk a little bit about the stereotypical end of things. But um, well, just maybe a little bit about yourself as far as what your upbringing was like. What was it like for you when you were a kid? What were you like? Were you an altar boy? I was. Um, <laughs> <laughs> interesting. You, what you ask. Um, I was actually born. Um, in a small town in Pennsylvania, and um, have a younger sister, and my upbringing was pretty normal. Mm-hmm. Um, two parents that tried their hardest to make sure we had everything we needed um, within their means. Um, I always felt a little different. I didn't understand that growing up, but I always felt different than the other kids. Mm-hmm. Um, for a little while, I thought it was because I was gay, but mm-hmm. um, no, I was just different. <laughs> Darn. 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 Yeah, or it could be both, whatever. You right. Yeah. You're just different. Yeah. So you were were you would you have considered yourself a good kid? Very. Yeah. Straight A's. Really? Yes. Straight A's. Um class president, um, homecoming king. My dad was a high school football coach, so I had to play. I got my butt kicked every day, but um oh. another story another time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So you were like, and and uh, football in Pennsylvania is pretty serious. It's big stuff. Yeah. 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 yeah so, so you, yeah. So you would consider yourself having had a normal um, childhood. Were there any? Were, would, looking back on it, would you say that there was any things that were hints to you of what what was to come for you? Um. Looking back, yeah. Um, I mean, it's very interesting because the first time I was ever drunk with alcohol poisoning, I was four. Holy cow. Yes. Um, and that, that sounds different be, than a normal be. childhood, but um, yeah. I, I was at a wedding. and Did you um, get a hold of somebody's hooch? No, there was a fuzzy navel fountain, and I thought it was punch. Wow. And I was able to crawl up on a chair and get punch all night long. 
And you gotta, <laughs> you gotta tell me what I mean. I should know what a I should yeah. know what a fuzzy navel is. It's kind of like a chocolate fountain, but yeah. the little lion heads have um, fuzzy navels popping Which out. Which would have been delicious. <laughs> I think a fuzzy navel is basically like peach schnapps and orange juice and, and something on. To a kid, it tastes I phenomenal. It delicious. Yeah. <laughs> a fuzzy fuzzy navel, navel fountain. fountain. Yes, sir. I'm I'm sorry, but that doesn't sound normal to me right there. But you know, but, I have told, I have told my mom that that made me gay. But yeah. anyway. <laughs> All right, so you're drinking out of a fuzzy navel fountain, thinking it's punch, and you get alcohol, but you have to go to the hospital the whole deal. Yeah. Um. Everybody was telling my folks, like looking back, that I was such a riot because I was dancing and I was having a good time, and everybody just thought I was a riot at age four, drunk. <laughs> And then my mom realized what I was doing, and later that night, I kept getting sicker and sicker, and I was yeah. vomiting, and next thing you know, I was in the ER with an IV, and uh, all the stuff they do to adults, but on a kid size. That's, that's, <laughs> well, looking back on it, that, that, was, that was a little different, yeah, that was a little different. What mm-hmm. would be, what, any other things that were warning signs to you? Um, I got excited watching people do cocaine on television in high school, like I just... I had never done cocaine, but yeah. um, like I would see people do it. The, you're still in the good, like good. The good boy mode. phase, but yeah. it just looked like they were having fun. Like it looked, looked good. To you. It looked good, yeah. And I never tried it, but it looked good. Interesting. Did you end up? Did you end up doing cocaine? Yeah, as soon as I left home. <laughs> <laughs> I would say probably it took three, four days. Yeah. <laughs> At college, before, you really yeah, put it off. I, yeah, I waited a long time, but yeah, uh, yeah, I was in college and probably I got to college and I had a couple drinks the first couple nights and then on night number three, I was there was cocaine and I was like, I've been waiting for this for a very long time. <laughs> so all right, so and any other? So once you got to college, then things that's where things started to happen. Yeah, um, things started. I thought I was normal because I was getting drunk a lot in college. And that's what everybody else was that's doing. That's what everybody else was doing. At least everybody else you knew. Yeah. But they were going to class. Oh. I mean, I didn't go to class hardly ever. Um, and my first degree um, is in social work, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know how I got it, to be honest. I mean, really. <laughs> I mean, because I didn't go to class much at all. Um, just naturally smart, maybe? No. No, no, I don't, I, I don't know. I mean, I just got, I had, I had good friends. I guess that's the best way to say it. Like good friends that were in my major who like made sure that I would get there on test day. Very mm. interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was always very lucky. I had somebody looking out for me a lot. And that could be, and I guess we could talk about that as a good thing or as a not so good thing as time goes on. Correct. Right. But it sounds like you were, well, what were you doing with your time when you were in class? I was sleeping until about three, getting up, partying. Um, I, After my freshman year, everybody knew I was gay, so, and my family and I had a very difficult time with that, um, mm. with my coming out process. We stopped talking and et cetera. Did but that happen, that was that at that time? That was my freshman year in college. Yeah. Um, it's, it's quite funny, because my mom actually called me and asked me, a bunch of questions because she was concerned for some reason. She asked me, are you doing poorly in school? I said, I don't know. I didn't want to say yes to that. But the rest of the time I was very honest because she, she said, well, are you depressed? And I said, probably a little. She said, are you drinking too much? I said, yes. She said, are you doing a lot of drugs? And I said, no, I can't afford them. 
<laughs> and um, mm-hmm. then she asked me if I was gay. And I said, I think so. Yeah. And, yeah, and then... And that's what... And it was the last question that... Mm-hmm. So it wasn't that, you know, you were drinking too much, or it wasn't that... She would have been okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> at that point in time. At that point at in time. At that point in time in my life, yes, she would have been okay with that. A little bit? Yeah. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> over time. But at that point, and so you and your family kind of broke off there? Yes. And, and I know we talked about this, I think we were talking yesterday about it a little bit, but you, you that was something that was, uh, I don't want to say trigger, but that was a thought that you had in your head that that rejection was the reason? Well, their rejection, their rejection um, uh, made me probably, it made me angry, first of all, and second of all, it gave me a reason uh, mm-hmm. to drink and use. I got, immediately I thought, well, fine, if if they're not going to approve of the lifestyle, I'll show them. Kind of right. That you thought that lifestyle was bad. Wait till you see. Wait till you see this. <laughs> so I, I'm mm-hmm. probably two weeks later. I was dancing in a nightclub, and I did that for the rest of the time mm-hmm. in school. And um, the drug use started and, and got really bad there because uh, there was a, co- a coke phase, a um, ecstasy, GHB, ketamine phase before the crystal meth phase. Mm-hmm. Wow, that sounds rough. Um, mm-hmm. But um, yeah, and I was dancing in a nightclub and. Uh, Selling ecstasy at the time, mm-hmm. um, I wasn't a good salesperson because I did more than I sold. Right. Yeah, yeah, can't keep can't keep your can't keep the product. No, <laughs> through the fingers. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Right. So, um, and would you would you say, well, so, and somehow or another, you're still going to school through all this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I graduated, and um, my first job after. Um, social work school. Were you going to like a state school or a no a private school? Private school. Mm-hmm. Yep. And um, I just took out more loans. <laughs> and I had the I actually had the fortunate opportunity to um, do a not necessarily study abroad, but there was uh, an opportunity to do social work internships at NY through NYU in mm-hmm. New York City. So I, I I did two years in New York, and I say did two years, not in prison, but I did, I did <laughs> yeah. two years in New York. Don't yeah. remember much. But yeah, we'll get to that part yeah. of the story later. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, and then my first job was um, in uh, outside of D.C., more toward Baltimore in the Silver Spring area. Mm-hmm. And um, I got a job as a bachelor's level social worker doing substance abuse evaluations in the emergency room. Oh. Isn't that interesting? Wow. <laughs> well, and what phase were we in at that point? I was still partying. Yeah, uh, partying. I still worked I in a nightclub. Wondered yeah. which one? Because we were, we did the ketamine GHB uh, phase. We did the coke phase. We did the meth phase. We're, I was probably back to the ketamine ecstasy GHB yeah. uh, group because I just did it on the weekend. And it's, <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to control this stuff somehow. I know. Okay. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> Plus, who wants to be high on ecstasy all week long? You know. Yeah, really. I mean, so you just went rolling into the ER. Exactly. Yeah. No and I was sent it. home then already yeah. by supervisors. You, but like we're joking around, but were you really just doing it on the weekends, or were you like doing other things during the week? Well, my weekend consisted of Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and maybe a little Monday morning. So, okay. uh, so, yeah. like, so your weekend's like half a week. Yeah. yeah. But I work twelve-hour shifts, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So it's, I gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Um. In, let me ask you this: uh-huh. Did the um, you know let's I just wanted to step back to the <coughs> clubs and the dancing and, and the drugs, what, you know because you hear uh, you know and I think I would I would think or I would picture that that would be a place where a lot of drugs 
would be available. Absolutely. You know, I mean, you 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 hear and, and you hear, you know, frankly, people taking a lot of drugs because they um, it's a it's actually a hard thing to do self esteem wise that you don't maybe a young person coming out in the gay community. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, it's a connection, I think. Yeah, and plus, um, I I said this before, but I think um, with all the guilt and the shame that comes from um, came to me from coming out being different and all that other thing. Right. Um, the drug helped with some of the guilt and shame, lowered inhibitions, um, yeah. and especially crystal meth eventually. I mean, because right. even though the guilt and shame should have been getting better, it kept getting worse, which I thought still was because I was gay, but it was it was, it was yeah. more addiction Yeah, between that and my later 20s, early 30s. Yeah, but that, I can see where that would be confusing. And you were do and when you were doing that, you were you were that was early and you, you had just come out really yes. just shortly it was just shortly after you'd come out so yeah. yeah and um i mean there's a they call them circuit parties in the gay world mm -hmm. which are huge parties but they're at very lavish locations usually um and everybody that i was partying with doing drugs with was older could afford to take these huge trips Mm -hmm. And they were lawyers, doctors, mm -hmm. successful people, and so I just assumed everybody did it. I, get you. I mean, it just seemed like it was just part of the lifestyle. Mm -hmm. There was nothing else to the lifestyle in my head. Yeah, it's all you knew. It's all I knew. Yeah, and and then so so all right. So then we fast forward. We spent two years in New York doing your internship, and then now we're in Baltimore, and we're doing the we're we're doing substance abuse evaluation in the ER. <laughs> So God. how? <laughs> I mean, like I, I, I understand how that can happen, but I just wondered, like, did you have an interest at some level? No, not I mean, at all. It just came along. They paid the most out of everything else I was offered. <laughs> really? Yeah. And they were doing the, and that was get, fifteen bucks an hour, probably. I actually, I think it was maybe it was fourteen twenty-five, and then I bartered then for fifteen. Bumped, yeah, yeah. Then you bumped it up. Yeah. It was big money, um, <laughs> and yeah. um, I, the schedule was conducive to the lifestyle. I get you. Okay. To so, still work in a nightclub on the weekends or go to circuit parties for a long weekend and yeah, recover a little bit before going, coming into work. Any inkling? Uh, any inkling yet that this is causing a problem, or is it just to you, just a normal? We're just doing normal stuff still. Normal stuff, but um, I still thought it was normal stuff. However, um, I noticed that my straight friends mm -hmm. from college and who kind of were starting to grow up a little bit and mm -hmm. grow up in whose eyes, well, I don't know, but grow up, like start families or take on big jobs and things like that mm -hmm. and, or going to grad school, um, we started losing touch, losing contact because I was always messed up. Yeah. Anybody ever say anything to you? Yeah, several. <laughs> several. Like those type of people that were straightening up or, or some of your less straight friends? I mean straight in the in perspective of drugs and alcohol. I don't you know, don't mean sexual straight. Mm -hmm. Any any of those any of your less or you know, so, some of your less uh drug related friends said something. Did any of your drug related friends say anything? I was, I was always the fun one. I mean, <laughs> I guess life of the, the party, the life of the party. So yeah. they always wanted to there. Yeah, yeah. Especially because I usually had the ecstasy too. <laughs> <laughs>
were big time and you had the drugs, I would say, you know, yeah. Yeah. That's that's yeah, so they're gonna want you there. So they're not gonna be saying anything about your drug use, is what you're saying. Only reason I ask that is because, like, when your druggy friends tell you you've got a problem, then you really know that things are going south. <laughs> that came after I became a nurse. It's coming, yeah, it's coming, right, but not okay. yet. <laughs> okay. All right, so, um, and then I, I, I threw a question in about, you know, moral deterioration. Mm-hmm. You know, but what I was, th- you know, what I was thinking about when I said that was, I know I know a little bit about your story as a nurse, so like having to do with sort of scamming and that sort of mm-hmm. stuff. Was that going on prior to that part of your story? You know, like when you were dealing or when you were, you know, did you notice any difference in 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 my moral? Were, oh yeah, how you were morally with people? Oh yeah, I mean, like I back to the guilt and shame thing. I mean, I just. If you put drugs, I never. First of all, I never thought I'd be doing drugs every weekend growing up. You know what I mean? So yeah, just, almost like the furthest thing from your mind, or the furthest thing from anybody's expectations. Well, I thought I'd be. I thought I. I, I thought I would be um, leaving college and either going to law school or med school. You know what I mean? Growing up, that was that was my goal. I wanted to help people and all that. Mm-hmm. That jazz. Not doing drugs on the weekend and not caring mm-hmm. how I got them. Or and it, is it an interesting that? You know, by the end of by the end of a week or so, with the listens that we're going to have, you're going to probably give or take a, a thousand or more people are going to hear your story, and you will be helping people. Yeah, it's crazy. Like we're we're we weren't thinking that, were we? No, uh, no, not at all. Not at the time, especially. The time. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I mean, like, um, with first of all the drugs, um, second of all the selling drugs. I mean, because mm-hmm. that's that's another little level, it's another, another level. step down. Sure. Um, uh, the sexual escapades of um, the drug use of circuit scene and sure. Um, sure. and the gay community at the time um, mm-hmm. was was definitely not something that I really grew up wanting in terms of a relationship because I just wanted a relationship that was normal. Yeah. And none of that was normal. Like right. I, it wasn't healthy. Right. Yeah. At all. Yeah. And yet, so that's that's I guess how that deterioration works is that you don't you know in some part of you that it's not, which you know the, the scamming the 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 drug this whatever the sexual stuff and you know it's not right but there it is you know kind of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I guess that contributes to the guilt and shame stuff too. Yeah. I I mean what I thought was helping the guilt and shame the drugs. Mm-hmm. And me allowed to act in, act sexually was actually making it worse. Um, did you think other people were judging you? If they were judging me, I thought they were jealous. Does that make sense? <laughs> <laughs> Tore up from the floor up, right? Yeah. <laughs> I thought they were jealous. It's like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> were, you, were you judging you? I didn't care at that point in time. Like I was okay. already past the point of caring. I think. Okay. By the phase we were talking about. We were talking. Yeah, we're, we're we're talking the ER uh, substance abuse. Substance abuse. Uh, how long did that last? How long were you there? I was there long enough to go through nursing school. Oh, you were there the whole time. Did they pay for it? They so paid for part of it. Yeah. Yeah, they paid for part of it. Yeah, I mean that's a good thing about hospitals if they. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah. If, if you can stay. I paid for it up front, and then they reimburse. And they reimburse you a certain amount. Yeah. Well, that's a good thing. Very much so. Yeah. So you, were, how long did it take you? Four years. Um, 
Three, because I already had a bachelor's degree. So. Oh, yeah. okay. All right. So you were there for three years. Mm-hmm. Did I actually ended up staying there as a nurse for a little while. Oh, okay. Uh, so, and I was actually on their staff for nine years oh. um, total, social worker and a nurse, mm-hmm. um, even though I worked at another hospital in D.C. Um, full-time. Like also? I, yeah, okay. I, I'm registry agency, okay. those types of things. I get you. Mm-hmm. Did you. Did you notice from the time that you were... Um, you know, like while you were going to nursing school, mm-hmm. did you notice, was there a, a, did it get worse? Well, once I, before I got to nursing school, that's when the crystal meth started. And, um, I... What? Why I, do you think it started? Um, it was kind of like the, what was, what was taking on the gay community at the time. Um, I would say mid-90s, it was mm-hmm. kind of an emergence of crystal meth, mm-hmm. from what my experience was anyway. Yeah. Um, in the community, in the circuit parties used to be just ecstasy, ketamine, maybe some GHB, but meth started coming around. And I swore I would never do meth, but I that lasted about six months or something. Why did like you that. swear you would never do meth? I don't know. It just seemed like like it was closer to the gutter. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't very as classy. In fact, it was. It was. It definitely was. That's yeah, sure. but, yeah, but so, mm-hmm. and that's and that's another thing that kind of goes along with that deteriorating. You know, mm-hmm. making promises to yourself that you that you don't keep, and then feeling Absolutely. like feeling like shit about yourself because mm-hmm. you didn't keep the promise. And you know, did you have any inkling yet of what was what Tell was me. wrong with you? No. Um, and still thought it was because you were gay. Yeah, I mean, I still thought it was because I was gay, or um, I don't know. I just I, I stopped thinking about it, to be honest. Okay, you didn't, um, as you just said, you don't, you you lost, you didn't care much anymore. Mm-hmm. We're doing what you're doing. And um, it's weird because. Um, I would say I would I would there's no such thing as social crystal Matthews, but I thought I was doing it. <laughs> um, I would I would use other drugs and mostly meth on the weekends. So I thought I was using socially. Um however during the week when I You're still doing the four and a half day weekends? Yes. Yeah. And then the weeks, well, yes, and and with school, school was lumped mostly to those days as well. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I was cut my my schedule a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but during the week, I I couldn't do meth during the week because I had to work and everything else. So I just did a couple Adderall a day. <laughs> Same damn drug, but <laughs> right. just to keep you moving. Just to keep me moving and keep me focused. That's what it, that was my excuse right. to keep me focused. Right. <laughs> how'd you how'd you get the Adderall? I was working with a psychiatrist. I mean, I assume you don't have ADHD. No, but... Uh, <laughs> well, some days, but... Um, I have gay DD, that's what I call it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, I actually worked a little bit helping a psychiatrist that was at the hospital. Yeah. And um, she... Um, I actually helped her with her hydroponic pot garden. <laughs> In addition to her practice. And she just said, oh, yeah, you need some Adderall and some Xanax and some Clonabin. So she was just giving me drugs at that point in time, like scripts for whatever I wanted. Um, now, some people some people would find that like morally almost, awful. Almost like sacrilegious that she was like giving you, just giving you drugs and growing mm-hmm. pot. And, yeah. Yeah. But that's, yeah. That's just Fascinating because she would write a script for Adderall for... Um, it was like 90 tablets a month of the extended release, uh, mm-hmm. 30 milligrams extended release. You don't need 90 milligrams of extended release Adderall. I mean, a day. That's ridiculous. Yeah. But she would write it that amount, so I would give her half. Oh. 
I get you. Interesting. So it would be in your, and if any any questions ever came up, it would be in your the script would be in my name. In your name. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I get it. Yeah. So yeah. Well, and, and like like it says in the in the little the little uh, blurb that I send out to people to advertise the show. You know, it's an equal opportunity disease. Mm-hmm. So any any judgment that you know whether that doctor knew that that was right or wrong or you know, mayor, that might not have had anything to do. If she had the illness herself, that wouldn't be a factor. You don't know if she to. did or she didn't. But you're, you're not supposed to say whether or not somebody has a disease, but she had it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> yeah. you shouldn't, but because yeah, you're you we're in that line of work. But I'll say but it, she here did. It is. <laughs> yeah. but here it is, and so uh, and. You know, but I think people think that uh, you know somehow or another, doctors, nurses, social workers are are above that, or or what do they think? Do they think they're above it, or what do they? They think they should know better. They should know better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and they tell you in nursing school and medical school, um, and probably law school too, that it's probably the highest rate of substance abuse profession. Yeah, and they tell you that in the beginning. Yeah, and everybody thinks we're too smart; it won't happen to us. Yep, they tell you that in the beginning that you think we're too smart, it's going to happen to us, and then they give in medical schools probably about a day and a half of substance abuse education to training physicians, mm-hmm. and in nursing school I think we got two lectures on addiction. Oh. It's kind That's of amazing cool. to me. Yeah. So they know statistically, and they tell you that this is a big common problem. We're not going to tell you anything more about it other than be aware that you might have to deal with that. Mm-hmm. So good luck. In social school, it was a day, actually. Uh-huh. Isn't that wild? I was just trying to. Think. <laughs> I, I actually because you know, I, I, my my education is as a counselor, and I don't think. I mean, I don't think there was any, mm-hmm. none, zero. Yeah. Zip. Of course, it was a, you know a while ago. So, mm-hmm. but still, that like zero for a guy who's going to go into counseling. Counseling. Mm-hmm. And even then, I think the nursing instructors that I had would be like, and then we get to this. And, like, it was already... Something they had to do. They had to deal with, and they all had a story about these drug seekers, patients that wanted opiates or this or that, and how annoying they were. And, yes, I mean, the prejudices start there. It wasn't about... uh, They didn't have, like, a recovering social worker or nurse come in and talk. Oh, no. Oh, no. group about what it was really like. No, they had some nurse who had who was teaching the class that would be like... Who had to do that section. Had to do that section, and we got stories shared with us about the issues they had dealing with a drug-addicted patient that was a pain in the neck. Right. And I think, you know, I mean, it's totally, you know, fits with the, with the things I've, I've seen, you know, that people with drug problems going to... You know, trying to get admitted to to the ER, mm-hmm. not to get drugs, but to get off drugs, mm-hmm. have to learn certain techniques to get into the hospital through the through the nursing staff. They have to say they're suicidal to get admitted, or homicidal, or yeah. homicidal. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. In order to get admitted for treatment mm-hmm. for drug problems. Yep. Now there are, and there are those who go there and do and are drug seekers. I mean, there's no. Sure. And then they're not even a, transferred to a treatment center. They're transferred to an acute psych hospital Usually. where they have to deal with, be on a unit with people doing the Thorazine shuffle that can't even say their name because they have schizophrenia or bipolar disorder. Yeah. It's, 
extreme, and, they don't, and they then don't really it's there. still the wrong environment. You right. know, it's not a drug and alcohol focused treatment center. They may have an AA meeting. Right. <laughs> well, I think we'll take, if you don't mind, here we'll take a we'll take a short breather, mm-hmm. and we'll come back, and we'll talk about kind of we'll finish. We'll get to the we'll get to the stuff that we can talk about how you got to the point where you finally okay. recognize the need to recover and then some some time talking about your recovery. Awesome. That's okay with you. Absolutely. Okay, good. Thanks guys, appreciate that and uh, thanks for listening. We'll be right back with you.
Welcome back to Recovery Internet Radio. If you're just joining us, we've been having quite the conversation so far. Um, you can reach us anytime at recoveryinternetradio.com uh, and check out this show or any of our archived episodes. Uh, I'd say call in, but we're a little we're we're not we're pre-recording here, so right. don't don't call in this week if you're if you're dying to ask any questions. We won't answer the phone. So let's get right back to it, uh, and I hope you've been enjoying the show. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming back. Okay, um, we're back, and uh, so I guess one of the questions, so what I kind of want to do, like I, like I sort of said at the end of our first segment there, sort of get to the end of the story, how, how we, you know, the crash and burn part, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, so you're going to nursing school and doing math on the weekends. That's basically where we got to. And then, and then what? And then, um, in a nutshell, uh, I, that pretty much continued for uh, the rest of my twenties. I, I got into like partying on the weekend. Did that help you study? Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I, there were days in nursing school that I swore I'd never do math during the week that I did a little bit. You know what I mean? <laughs> but, um, yeah, it did help me study. I mean, and it was able to keep me up late to get all the work done. Like right. the actual studying, getting getting sure. through, and mm-hmm. just to get the it done. Reading and all that stuff. Yeah. How about the comprehension part? Well, I thought I was doing everything good, and I thought I was. Hell, I did something twice because I was that that speedy. But <laughs> um, yeah, it helped. Yeah, it did. Yeah, because I think that's why some people do it. I mm-hmm. mean, I know some some kids, you know, take Adderall mm-hmm. specifically because they think it's a academic enhancement drug, you know? Sure. And then they also take, you know, I don't know if they are actually using methamphetamine as, right. uh, you know, because that's a little bit rougher around the edges. But <laughs> never know what you're going to get. You <laughs> never know what you're going to get cooked in somebody's... Uh, a lot of parents think Adderall will help their children do better in school as well. Yeah, yeah. In my experience, yeah. Yes, you're right. You're absolutely right about that. Mm-hmm. Were, you still, were you still dabbling with the Adderall along oh, the way? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I had that until I got to... D- that you could do during the week, right? Oh, okay. That I could do at work. All right. Were you, how was how was your drinking? Were, were you were you? We never even talked about that. Were you much of a drinker? Um, I didn't think I was until rehab, and then I looking back, all of the trouble I got into at that point in time in my life, there was alcohol involved. Okay. Yeah. And um, I still had reservations even the first two years of sobriety with um, alcohol because I ended up drinking after several years of sober. Mm-hmm. Um, and that didn't, I'll, I'll get to that later, I guess. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, the the meth and party scene was on the weekends, and I got into a relationship um, with a physician. Mm-hmm. So um, life seemed to be going okay, and the partying got got a little bit less mm-hmm. um, while we were together. And um, when we um, broke up, that's when I started using um, intravenous drugs. Okay. Um, and that was mostly mess in the beginning. Yeah. Um, and um, I hurt my back. Um, I hurt yeah. my back. And his uh, last words. Yeah, I hurt my back. I've heard him before. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? What's that? I hurt my. I, I hurt, hurt my, my back. back. And yeah. Kind of. That, that then it's over painkillers, right? Uh-huh. Yep. And um, the kicker was is <laughs> physician slash nurse slash heal thyself. Um, I um, had just moved to the big state, and. Um, my health insurance had not kicked in yet. Hmm. So I hurt my back and I needed to continue to work at a new, uh, until my health and I couldn't, I, 
I just didn't have the money yet to um, go see somebody, get x-rays taken, all that other jazz. Yeah. So I um, grabbed some drugs from the hospital. So I didn't get opiates from anybody else. I grabbed them myself. I just took a little extra that was mm-hmm. left that I didn't have to give to a patient, mm-hmm. put it in my pocket, took it home and used it. Mm-hmm. Bikes or what were the... No, Dilaudid. Dilaudid. Oh, straight for the big one. Okay, yep. so why bother? <laughs> well, yeah, let's not mess with it. And for, for those who might not know what Dilaudid is... It is a opiate painkiller. Um, if um, heroin and morphine are kind of con- similar for, um, in terms of their effects, um, Dilaudid is 8 to 10 times stronger than morphine. Okay. Um, and fentanyl is a little stronger, which I got to, which I graduated to. <laughs> and fentanyl is what they use for, you know, like, a lot of times... Cancer, bone cancer type people. Yes, Dilaudid and fentanyl, um, they're usually used for folks that have like horrific cancers and are actively dying. Because, well, actually, most of the, most hospice patients are getting morphine. These are like when morphine doesn't work and that's what what you get is Dilaudid or 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 fentanyl. fentanyl. And and, yeah, and the reason why they don't, they they do that last is because they're, they're, they're highly addictive, and mm-hmm. but at that point it doesn't really matter. They can increase the dosage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And um, after the relationship ended, and I started doing some IV crystal methods, hurt my back. Um, it was interesting because um, I was having a lot of emotional things going on, and the Dilaudid turned off the emotions as well. Oh, conveniently at the same time as right. it turned off the physical pain. Right. What took you from? What took you from? The, where did we get the IV? Where did we go to the IV? Uh, uh, Matthews. Matthews. After we broke up, it was a um, random sexual experience mm-hmm. that the guy had had the needle and just started. Oh, just what started. the hell? I like, yeah, right. it was what the hell situation. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. like it was back to the I don't care thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Are you are are you, now that you're using needles? Are you getting it yet? That you have a problem? Well, um, at first, I mean, (laughs) I went down pretty quick once I started using needles. Because, I mean, I didn't stop the meth, and I didn't stop, and the opiates kind of took off, and that combination to me... (laughs) And you were using the opiates IV, too? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, And, I mean, the needle with the meth thing and the opiate thing started around the same time, so I didn't see a problem with needle with meth. And... Right. And I just... Because it would be natural to use a needle to... For to a nurse, <laughs> to a nurse yeah. For to for the pain medication, and so uh, and it's faster. It works more efficiently. You can titrate. I, oh yeah, it's all going on in my head. Yeah, right. But um, yeah. So the uh, the kicker with with the needle, um, I at first that's when my major not yet started. Like that's when I noticed something. Like well, I'd never use a needle, and I crossed that line, and then I would never. Um, I would never ever um, be. I to this point, I had not ever um, stolen drugs from the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, I had not. Um, I had not um, been com- been impaired to the point of dangerous at work, mm-hmm. um, and that lasted a few weeks that I wouldn't use at work. Uh-huh. I mean, a few weeks. Yeah, it's not long. That's not long, no. And up till now, you've pretty much crossed most of the lines you said you weren't going to cross. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And uh, my background is emergency room and trauma, so um, I was taking care of all age patients. Yeah. Um, infants through adults. Yeah. Um, and 
the sickest of patients. I mean, then they're right crisis cut in half and, and from a car accident. You know what I mean? And they're, mm-hmm. they're pretty sick. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, I mean, and and in that environment, I had unlimited access to the amount of narcotics mm-hmm. because it's a place where you use those heavy-duty painkillers, um, and there's not. Um, there's little less restrictions on how you get them right. because you don't the computer the patients aren't in the computer when they're coming off of an ambulance and they need drugs so there's less less, less monitoring, less monitoring. Of, the, of the use of the drugs yeah 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 and you were telling me in in the ICU it's different because the the, the physician have, has to have an order the order and then the amount of drugs can be compared to the order yes but in the ER it's just Yes. Use it as you need it. Use it as you need it, and it's so busy usually that the nurses are writing the physician's orders for them. So right. like, you can make it happen. However, that sounds dangerous to y'all out there, but trust me, if if a nurse wants drugs, they can get them. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 it's true. And the other question I, I had for you, which would be, like, I'm sure other people would be would 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 scare people as well. But do you think you were the only one in the ER that was doing it? No. Um, and I, I shared with you last night that when I got in trouble, um, three other nurses at the same time in the same place also were found out within the same week. Yeah. yeah. And so, I mean, and the, po- and the point isn't to, like, uh, uh, demonize the nurses for stealing drugs. The point mm-hmm. is to recognize you, you have a, a, an, Ill- an illness, you have a disease called chemical dependency, and that not recognizing that is the, this is the outcome of not recognizing that Absolutely. sooner and not having a a better attitude mm-hmm. the profession having a better attitude and a more proactive attitude towards it mm-hmm. that's what'll that, that's what'll make it more safe not judging people after the fact mm-hmm. absolutely but we don't you know so and maybe if there's anything that we do here tonight when we talk about this it's like this is this is real, dudes. This is what happens. This is this is what really happens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, were you working in a, in a big city hospital at this point? Oh yeah. So it was, a, it, was a, it was a rock and roll. Yeah. Yeah. It was about a hundred bed emergency room. So okay, so that's, that's big, big place. Yeah. 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 One of the biggest in the country. All right. So what finally happens to you when you? So you're stealing drugs. You're stealing more drugs. <laughs> and you're still doing the drugs that I was buying. <laughs> doing the drugs you were buying. You're doing the drugs that you were stealing. And then then you, you got caught. Yeah, and it, the interesting thing is, is I mean, it, I I didn't know that I was definitely hooked on the opiates um, in the beginning, but then like the, I couldn't get out of bed unless I had opiates. I mean, like because I was in withdrawal. You're sick, yeah. Yeah, after a couple hours, you're you're dead sick, as mm-hmm. everybody uses, and I mean, diarrhea, diarrhea, not diarrhea, nausea, vomiting, all that jazz, and it's hard to work with that. So I started using at work. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah. So you didn't know you were addicted to, and, and yet you were you're, you're dope sick. Uh huh. And, and I'm picking up overtime because I needed to not necessarily get more money. It was because that was more time to get free drugs because you're not paying for them if you have unlimited access in right. at work. I mean, it's right. a no-brainer. I mean, you have to be at work so many hours a week. <laughs> it, yeah. So in other words, now you're you're working you're more working more to to get more drugs, not to get more money. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Did that? Did you know that? No, I needed money because that's in my head. I needed money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And isn't that? I mean, doesn't that? Looking back on it, as we talk about this, isn't that amazing? 
here's a guy who's shooting, you know, shooting meth, and broken every, broken pretty much every promise that he's made to himself so mm -hmm. far. Uh-huh. You got a, a good person underneath, but com completely uh, compromised in, in, yes. in a lot of ways. And I mean, and now, and now stealing and breaking promises that way to himself. Impaired taking care of infants. Impaired and taking care of infants. Infants yeah. and children and adults. Which and, yeah. in you would never do if you were <laughs> who you who you are. No, not at all. Not at all. And yet, you still don't know. And that's that's the thing that I think people don't understand is that that's how deeply it's not a lie. Yeah. It's it's you're fooling yourself. You you you're able to fool yourself because of the nature of the disease. Mm -hmm. So I was I was definitely a risk to the public. Sure. Um, and um, then after then I got arrested. Is that hard to say? That I was a threat to the public. Yeah. Um, it isn't now. It, 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 was, it was when I was first told that. <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, I can imagine. Because mm -hmm, I was a good nurse in my head. Sure. Mm -hmm. And I imagine you are a good nurse. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I mean, I don't mean to blow my own horn, but... Yeah. You know what you're doing. I know what I'm doing. You know how to take care of people. Mm -hmm. But at that time, mm -hmm. you were a risk. So they, tell you you're, so they come to you and they tell you you're a risk? Um, well, I got arrested for um, an evading arrest with a motor vehicle charge. I had um, was using meth and opiates and threw GHB into the mix just because, I don't know, I mm -hmm. needed to and decided to drive. Mm -hmm. um, and I drove the wrong way up the tollway, um, O.J. Simpson style. Um, mm -hmm. So I got arrested. Mm -hmm. and, I, and when they pulled me over, I thought I was getting a DUI. <laughs> mm. No. Um, I thought I was getting a DUI, and then they told me I was being charged with a felony evading arrest with a motor vehicle. And that was a doozy. That's the time that I got mad at the cops. And mm -hmm. That's when you that's when you urinated in the squad car? I didn't urinated in the squad car, and I'm still a little <laughs> proud of that. But anyway, <laughs> another story another time. <laughs> yeah, okay. So yeah, I ended up in jail. Got it. Got bailed out. Um, How can you get arrested for evading if they haven't tried to pull you over yet? Or did get, they? Well, they spent several minutes following me with the lights on. Oh, I didn't pull over. So that's the evading part. Yeah, they yeah. And I thought, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so you thought it was a UFO, or? I, don't, I still didn't. I, even if, even because they had a tape of the whole situation, I still don't believe they were following me for three minutes. But anyway, oh, they, <laughs> they, I'm joking. No, okay. All right. yeah. Um, but yeah, so I got in trouble there, and um, the charge was reduced to a misdemeanor. I was put on probation, and then um, right after that is when um, I actually, uh, I actually um, fell asleep at work. And um, actually, I fell asleep. I came into work on my day off. I was messed up, and I laid down in the staff lounge, um, actually on a table. <laughs> <laughs> and um, some staff members found me, and it wasn't even my day to work because um, I came in for drugs. Mm -hmm. And um, they uh, they sent me to do a urine sample, um, and they actually sent me home first. Interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, they sent me home, and then they called me to come back and do a urine sample. And I lived above a gym where I was. So I went downstairs to the gym, and I was freaking out because I needed 
Dude, go give them a urine sample. And I saw somebody I knew, and I'm like, hey, are you clean? They were like, what? I'm like, have you drank or done drugs recently? And I said, no. He's like, no. And I knew of him. I didn't know him well. But I gave him $20 to piss in a... Can I say that on here? Oh, yeah. Um, (laughs) Piss in in a Coke can for me, and I used his urine. I put it in my... Yeah. Yeah, I took... Put it in a urine sample container, hid it in my clothes, and used his urine to pass the drug screen. And did it work? It worked. Wow. Isn't that wild? That is wild. Paying people for their urine. And I still didn't have a problem in my Yeah, life. that's right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Obviously more. not. You passed the drug test. Oh, no. Okay. Where's the problem? I don't know. Okay, so we get past that one. We get past, well, actually, um, yeah, we get past that one, but they decided they were going to do random drug screens on me at work. So you were you were under suspicion at that point? I was under suspicion. Mm-hmm. Um, did they think you were ripping them off, or did they just think you were taking them? They just weren't sure. Yeah, but they just wanted to put me on a random yeah. drug testing program. Yeah, tighten up the leash a little bit. Yeah. Um, and um, then um, then they started they actually ran um, uh, a report from the medication system mm-hmm. to and discovered that. My, there was a lot of discrepancies of what I took out of the drug dispensing machine mm-hmm. versus what was ordered in my patient's charts. Right. So there was either patients not getting drugs that I was pulling, or there was, or I was, You're taking I drugs. was taking drugs for some other reason. Right. And um, that's one of two reasons: it's either I'm selling them, <laughs> mm-hmm. or, or, I'm, them. or I'm doing them. Right. And, uh, of course, you admit to doing them, because if you're taking them to sell them, that's a whole other ballgame. Yeah, now, now, it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's so, bad enough, but, mm-hmm. yeah. So they, um, they, off, they took me upstairs to a treatment program at the same hospital um, and enrolled me in the day program there. Um, and I did two weeks and some odd days before going back to work. <laughs> Um, and I would go to treatment in the morning, same hospital, walk downstairs, and then work a 12-hour shift in the emergency room. And then go home and get high? And then go home and get high. Yeah. That's a busy day. Yeah. Yeah. It was very busy. Well, you were probably not getting high while you were in treatment because they were probably testing you. Oh, I was. Oh, you were? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So you you just didn't care at that point, or you just didn't think they would catch you? Um... They, they, I, I hadn't seen them drug test anyone. Oh, okay. In treatment at that point in time, right. and um, it's fascinating because the hospital was actually in the process of debating whether or not they still needed this treatment program, and they closed. I was their last patient. I shouldn't say that on the radio, but I was their last yeah. client when they shut it down. Really? Yeah. yeah. Um, it's fascinating, isn't it? It, it is. So uh-huh. yeah. So the hospital that sent me to this treatment program got rid of the treatment program because they didn't think... They don't think it was... Uh, successful or <laughs> whatever. Right, but that's the one they put you in. That's the one they put me in. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> and and it, as it turns out, it wasn't particularly successful for you. So and then so then you get, you, you're still using... You're, you're still working. using um, and still using, working, um, and I overdosed. Because I had a little bit of time clean. Yeah. Um, I, I told you about that earlier. Yeah. Well, uh, two weeks or something like that. Um, and um, it was very shortly thereafter um, when I got back to work um, that I, w- I overdosed at work on opiates. And um, security found me in a bathroom mm-hmm. um, while I was on the clock. Mm-hmm. Passed out, needle in my arm, um, bleeding all over the place. And every hospital I worked in, there's always... 
every month or so you hear about the anesthesiologist that was found with a needle in his arm in the bathroom and dead right. or something. I mean, right. it's incredible how how frequently it happens, mm -hmm. but we don't hear about you that. You don't hear about you it. You hear about that about as often as you hear about drunk pilots. Yes, exactly. You know, there's plenty of drunk pilots. You know, no no offense, fellas, but, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, you know and I know it, but, you know, and a lot of recovering pilots, quite frankly, too. Mm -hmm. But we don't hear much about that. Right. You know. And don't scare the public, right? Exactly. And then the public's idea then is that we, that pilots don't have problems. Exactly. Or, or nurses don't have problems. Mm -hmm. and, and, it's, and, and so I guess in that way we kind of participate in our own, in your own, in our own uh, you know, denial system because yes. if we don't tell people and thank God we're doing this because if we don't tell people, how are they going to know? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So what happened after you, you, you OD? And then tell people what, oh, what you mean because some people think, oh, OD, well, then that means dead. No, um, I uh, I took too much and I um, went unconscious. Yeah. Um, and uh, went unconscious. Was it uh, opiates that, that it did it? It was opiates. Yeah. So uh, I mean, so my breathing was shallowed. I woke up and I was um, at the ER where I worked, um, being treated for an overdose. In the ER where you worked. Yes. Okay. So that's the first time. Did you, when you first opened your eyes, the face that you saw, did you know it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah, one of your fellow nurses. Mm -hmm. Yeah, were you embarrassed? She was really. Um, she had a. She was very um, judgmental and um, very. She angry. was. She was very angry that I would do that. First of all, second of all, um, I mean, she just. You could tell that she was annoyed that it was another drug addict in one of her rooms. Yeah. Does that, that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So, um, and so I don't know. I just kind of that kind of stuff. So you went me. from a fellow nurse to another uh, bothersome drug addict. I went from being really her mentor to be a drug addict. Yeah. From her mentor. From her mentor. Yeah. yeah. To being, to a, being drug a drug addict. addict. Yeah. Yeah. And I was fired at that point in time, yeah. and um, I knew I was in trouble at the, come this point. I knew I was in trouble, and um, so I contacted the nursing board and voluntarily offered to participate in a drug diversion program um, that treats impaired nurses. Right. And I was turned down. I was turned down because I had been arrested. Which kind of threw me... Looking back, it's like, okay, well... That would be a lot a of, the reason why, but, but yeah, no. No, it was because I was arrested that they could not enroll me in the in the treatment program for nurses. Okay. And at this point in time, I still um, I still thought that um, the board, that be the medical board, the pharmacy board, the um, nursing Nurse. board, um, and they're a bunch of professionals who manage and regulate the profession. And that's at the state level? State level. Mm -hmm. um, I had the wrong idea in my head, and um, I thought they were there to protect the nurses and the physicians and the pharmacists. No. They're there to protect the public, yeah. not the practitioners. They're, they're, so I, I think a lot of healthcare uh, workers um, don't realize that until they're in trouble with the board. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And then. And it's not a bad thing. That's their role. Their role is to protect the public. It's just you misunderstood that. Yeah. Because nobody you, ever tells if you. If you were to do it again, you would. What would you do? You would go to your employee assistance program or your. What would you do? What would you seek um, uh, 
try to do it without involving your place of employment or yeah. the board first. <laughs> right. Because um, what happened was is they said no to that, so I kept using. Yeah. And um, it's one of those things that you're still innocent until proven guilty. So the board opens an investigation. And the investigation is, they're very backlogged with these investigations. I don't know any state board that isn't, um, not mm-hmm. just the one that I was at at the time. Um, but um, it took them two years to get to my case. And did you get clean in the meantime? Um, not immediately. Um, I had trouble... I was I, I had trouble at that point in time, and I went to a couple AA meetings, and um, I was still thinking I was different than everybody else because I was a nurse and a social worker. God, um, but uh, yeah, not just a nurse, but a nurse and a social and a social worker. worker. So Damn I'm it. better than these people. <laughs> I, yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, I kept using. I got in more trouble. I was arrested total two more times in two months. Um, once for theft, and then I got another job at another hospital because I was under investigation, which the public does. The public and uh, and the professional institutions do not know that you're under investigation. They just know about it once you're disciplined. Oh, so, okay. um, so you got a job. So you I got another job. Closed that you were being investigated because there was no findings. Right. Correct. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got another job, and I again swore I was not going to take any drugs from the hospital. That lasted, I. Think about six hours into the new job when I was off of orientation, uh-huh. and um, I still drugs again. Um, and then I went back and I worked the rest of the week. And uh, I had gotten arrested my first week at work. There. Um, at work? Nope, not not yet. <laughs> okay, for something else. Um, for something else. Um, yeah, I was. Um, yeah. Uh, it was a theft charge regarding uh, I was high on Xanax and something else at the time, but anyway, um, that happened. And then, of course, because I got arrested again, I felt more guilt, more shame. Blah 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 blah. The using increased automatic, mm-hmm. uh, almost immediately. Automatic response, attic, attic response. And um, there was, there's, I just, I was, I was getting to a bottom, I guess, at that point because mm-hmm. um, when I took drugs. The following week from the hospital, I took drugs, not not necessarily to get high, but to kill myself, mm. um, because I just I didn't understand I I didn't understand what was wrong with me at that right. point. Um, and you left an obvious trail. Well, yeah, I emptied the drawer. I mean, like I there was there was I didn't leave any left on the unit. I mean, I took it all. Yeah. <laughs> and you were just gonna go home and kill yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, yeah. And uh, it's interesting because the hospital realized it, changed the shift, and um, ended up calling um, the police. And the DEA was notified and all that other stuff. And um, a felony warrant was served about... They issued a felony warrant for my arrest. um, And the um, the following... Not the the next morning, but the following morning, um, my door was broken down. Um, There... Folks with their guns ablazing um, found me unconscious. Uh, well, I remember the guns ablazing because uh, they were trying to wake me up, and there was two people standing there with guns, making sure I didn't hit anybody or something. Anyway, um, you don't usually use guns with unconscious people, but I don't know. That's just me. I think they were a little. They didn't know what they were getting into with you. 
No, and they knew that I was arrested arrested for evading, so I mean they just didn't yeah. know what that and, and plus I think they were uneducated um in terms of substance abuse. Um glorif- anyway, we'll just leave that out because that's <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um <laughs> anyway. You're trying to be politically correct or I understand. And it's not working. No, yeah. <laughs> Let's just say that they were very excited to be able to pull their guns. Right. And it was a yeah, it was a unnecessary uh un- unnecessary uh drama, uh, you know, drama violence, mm-hmm. whatever. Okay. So they drug me actually to the same ER where I stole the drugs from again uh, as a suicide uh, a suicidal um, person that overdosed on these opiates stolen from the hospital and they handcuffed me to a stretcher in the emergency room right by the nurse's station so everybody could see mm-hmm. and that, was that their purpose? I think so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think so so you were pretty humiliated. Oh my God, yeah. 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 And was that the bottom for you? Um, yeah. I mean, because at that point, uh, after after they released me, they took me to jail, and um, I'm thinking it's another theft, theft charge or something like that. But when I got to um, the hearing and um, they told me what the charge was, because that's the first time I had heard the charge. It was evading, not evading. That was the last one. Um, Fraudulent delivery of a Schedule II narcotic. And I was like, well, that sounds pretty serious. And then the judge looked at me and she said, bail is set at $100,000. I was like, okay, they're mad. (laughs) (laughs) They're getting for real with me at this point in time. Um, And I had friends that I had recently met in AA Mm -hmm. that um, knew of my attorney and contacted him and... um, Somehow I got somehow I got out of um, jail within uh, three four days, um, where I was on suicide observation and all that other stuff. Um, so undressed naked with a paper gown on for everybody to look at you. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it was a yeah. very humiliating. Yeah. The whole thing was very humiliating. Um, that's part of part of part, part of, of the deal. Part of the deal. So and you've been now you've been recovering for how long? Um, I had two and a half years, and now I'm coming up on two again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you had two and a half years, and then you relapsed on and alcohol. I drank think. one day, yeah. yeah, and then yeah. yeah, and then you've been clean since that time. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and uh, um, I I left um, jail, went to rehab at that point in time. Okay, mm-hmm. and was it a specialized rehab for professionals, or was it a rehab that? Was for anybody that had a problem. I had called the um, nursing board, the yeah. version um, program, yeah. and they recommended this place to me. Okay. Um, and it happened to be a lot of nurses and a lot of um, flight attendants and pilots. Yeah. Um, so it was. Yeah. 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 Impaired professionals, you know, they, they often will do that. Impaired professionals programs are largely impaired professionals programs. So. I did 28 days there, and then I went to a halfway house because I lost. You lost everything. I lost everything. As, the, that. as the show title says. Yeah. Yeah. I lost my apartment. Jack loses everything. Mm-hmm. And he did. Mm-hmm. I did. I lost the apartment. I, lo- I mean, the car was taken and I had to pay, but I was able to get it back eventually. Um, uh, of course, I lost a significant other yeah. only eight months earlier, and it was because of my drug use. Um, 
I wasn't talking to my family at the time. I mean, I left. I was alone in a, a new city, and I, I had two people that I talked to still, and those were from AA that I didn't know very well. Hmm. Yeah, and yeah. here and here you are. This is th- that was four and a half years ago. Mm-hmm. So, and then aside from the the relapse, two years, uh, two two and a half two, years, two and a half years after two and a half years, two so two years of of continuous sobriety, you. You know, you, do you have? Well, I guess my question is, do you have hope today? Oh yeah, I mean, yeah, my life is incredible, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I yeah, I, I'm able to live in my own skin. I'm able to uh, work in my profession, and um, have you cleaned up? Do you feel like you've done all the necessary? Uh, you know, I've, I guess clean up work, amends work, whatever. The big ones. The big ones. Yeah, the big ones. I mean, in terms for me, the big ones were um, direct people. Yeah. um, With, I mean, ends up my ex is in recovery, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, and we have a friendship today that I never thought was possible. Um, I'm in good standing with all of my family members. Um, And you're almost done with your the program that you went through through the board. You're almost done with that. You're within within some months of completing that. A few months, yeah. And that's that's been a four year process. I mean, is that a four year program or? No, it's a two year program. Okay, but because of the relapse, it's it's taking somewhat longer. No, I mean honestly, they don't know about the relapse. Yeah. Um, But uh, because the relapse happened when my the relapse happened the same time that the investigation was brought up and everything was happening. So the relapse was... Oh, okay. So you would... Yeah, because you would explained to me it mm-hmm. took two years for them to even start the whole thing and you were yeah. working and staying clean that whole time. Yes. And, um, and when the investigation started, that's when... Well, when the investigation um, came to a hearing and they were yeah. not giving me credit because I had a, 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 a ter- an administrative attorney that was helping me with dealing with the board. Yeah. Um, because when you're under investigation, you need an attorney. If you're out there and you're a healthcare professional, get an attorney. Don't deal with the board yourself. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, and she had me on a, a drug monitoring uh, call-in system, kind yeah. of like you do with the board once yeah. you're in their program. Um, but she had me doing that randomly so I could prove sobriety, because she knew how long the process could take. Had they put me into the program right away, I wouldn't have had. I would have. I would have been. You would have been done two years ago. Yes and no, and I guess it's all God in God right. God's hands because I had a whole journey I needed to go through. I think before I started this program. Right. However, it's a program designed for newly sober folks. Right. Um, because. Like, and then when you went to treatment, you had been sober for some time at that point, right? Meaning. Um, You'd been clean by the time you went when you started. Didn't you go into like a, a rehab program for them? For the nursing board? Yeah. Yes. Um, and they needed. I had to. I had to get go see a um, addiction specialist. And if they recommended treatment, I would have to go to treatment all over again. And what insurance company is going to rec- pay for treatment when you've been sober for two years? You know what I'm saying? Like, right. That's just insane. Right. Um, yeah. And but it, it is what it is. I had to do what I had to do to keep my license. Right. And and, and you did. I did. So let me. We probably have to put a wrap on this sure. here now. So, you know, just by, by way of, of, you know, conclusion, I'm, you know, I'm glad to hear you have hope and you're back in the profession, you're doing what you love to do, you're doing what you're good at, 
Is there any other advice you would give to, um, you know, those professionals out there that you know, are you know, either nurses or doctors or healthcare people, therapists, anybody who's looking, at, who's looking at their, who's beginning to take a look at their substance abuse problem and wonder what to do? Um, there is, there's a lot of um, hope, and there is a lot of um, folks in the profession who are sober. Mm-hmm. More than more, more than you know. More than you know, because um, they don't talk about it at work. Right. Um, I don't know of any of the folks that are sober, the physicians. Nurses. So what's the code? Is there a secret handshake or what? <laughs> um, do you know what? There are actually um, in the city where I live, there are actually um, several meetings focused on healthcare workers. Oh really? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do you find those? Um, I actually contacted a treatment center, and they and they, they gave it. me yes. It's so that you could go anonymously. Yes. Okay. Because yeah. I know there's all there's meetings for pilots, but uh-huh. you know, specifically for pilots, and there's meetings for so there's meetings. And that's the way to do it. Contact a treatment center, and you can find it find it anonymously. Yeah, that's how I found it. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Because it's they don't really publish it, and I don't see it in any magazines or anything like that. It's kind specifically of because it's not public. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, well, I, I really, uh, is there anything else you would say, any, anything else you would like to say to those folks out there that are thinking about it? Any other? Even if you're supposed to know better, <laughs> it doesn't mean you're not sick. Okay. Yeah. Even though even though you're supposed to know better, it has nothing to do with knowing better, does it? No, not You at knew all. better and that didn't stop it? Correct. That wasn't it? Yeah. So don't beat yourself up about it. Yeah. It's a disease. It's a disease. Equal mm-hmm. opportunity. Okay, thank you, Jack, and I appreciate it. And um, I think we'll close uh, with with that. I want to thank our listeners, um, uh, thank our studio audience for making us a successful underground sports source for the recovering community. Uh, we'll email out reminders for next week's show, um, usually at the end of the week. And uh, so remember to check recoveryinternetradio.com. That's recoveryinternetradio.com. For all our archive shows, sign up for our email reminder list. Remember, too, that we want to hear from you so we know where you are. As always, live today, love yourself and your neighbor, and together we'll trudge the happy road to destiny. We hope you've enjoyed the show, and we'll see you at 8 o'clock next Sunday night. Thank you all.